Michael Kist. Are you caught me not listening again? Benjamin Solak. You never listen! It's the Kist and Solak Show. Presented by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. You are flying high on the Kist and Solak Show. This is episode 191. Brought to you by the five folk at SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I am your host, Michael Kist. Follow me on Twitter at MichaelKistNFL. That's K-I-S-T. As always, joined by the best doggone co-host in the game, Mr. Tenure Streak Without a Bad Day. He is Benjamin Solak. Follow him on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K. Ben, week one is here. Let's go. How you doing, brother? I've been listening to uh, Are You Ready for Some Football? Uh, Hank Williams Jr.'s <laughs> just stunner of a musical victory, uh, which was the opening song for... It was the opening song for Monday Night Football. I don't know for how long, but it's the one that I remember, yeah. right? So, like, whenever... I you start having memories, however young you are. Hank Williams Jr. was singing, Are you ready for some football from Monday Night Football? And that video, I don't know the last time I watched it. If you haven't seen it in a while, it's worth seeing it again because man, y'all were on something in the nineties. Like that was just it's just it's really just a special, special video. Yeah. Um but yeah, no, I am extremely lit. I keep running around and just being like, Football. This has been a while. We're starved for real football. And we're going to get it tonight. I think I'm going to I think I'm going to release this later in the day today. We're recording on Thursday morning. So if the timelines don't match up, you understand why there's there's a lot of spinning plates here with the NFL show over at SB Nation. You need to go check that out if you haven't. Just plug in SB Nation NFL show into any podcast app. I'm on, I'm on a couple shows there. BLG is on his own show there as well. So if you want our national opinions, go there. New feed, new season. It's going to be awesome. But the train keeps on rolling here at Bleeding Green Nation. And today so we're going to be hitting up our preview to the week one divisional showdown between the Philadelphia Eagles and the Washington football team. And we will get to the Jason Peters news that just dropped as well. Just give it some time. We'll probably do that on the other side of the break when we look at the Eagles offense. And, and look, there's going to be like four previews of this specific game on this feed. So you've got like plenty of different viewpoints to pick from. Hopefully you enjoy ours. Usually we start by giving an overview of the state of the opposing team and like injury reports and all that. But since we're kind of condensing these down to one Kist and Solak preview show this year, I just want to start out by pointing out that my goodness, is this a fantastic matchup for the Eagles defensive line? And I think that's the big key to the game for me. I mean, you've got a quarterback, and I mentioned this on uh, the, the QB factory, it's probably going to drop tomorrow, but per PFF, Dwayne Haskins was sacked on 33% of all plays where he was pressured last year, just an absurdly high number, bottom of the barrel. And then you mm -hmm. look, especially at the left side of their offensive line, left guard, Wes Martin, left tackle is third year man. Let me see if I pronounce this correctly. Jaron Christian Sr.? Did I get that, Ben? I'm not going to lie to you. I don't know how to pronounce his first name either. I think it's like Jaron. Okay, well, look up the pronunciation. Well, He's I out of Louisville, and he was overdrafted. I can tell you that much. I need to know if I'm right, because I'm getting a lot of flack lately from the listeners about me aggressively mispronouncing names. So Jaron. I was close. Jaron? Jaron Christian. Jaren. Okay, Jaron Christian. There we go. No competition there for the Eagles defensive line, in my opinion. I can see it getting very ugly in the post-Trent Williams era for Washington. And that comes with a bit of expectation on Derek Barnett, 
who everybody is waiting to come on. He's been an average player for too long. I'm tired of hearing about his age. He needs to start this season out by dominating this tomato can. It's time for Barnett to go feast. And the bad news for him is that he's still dealing with a hamstring injury that could limit him in this game. Maybe it'll be up to Vinnie Curry or Josh Sweat to show him how it's done. Either way, like that's the matchup for me. Washington is not going to be able to run on the Eagles. I expect a repeat performance of the week one last year where the Eagles only allowed 28 yards rushing and then the pass rush should, should take over this game. And now we go to Ben Solak for something nerdy. Ben. Oh, I thought you were going to actually throw it. You just hit me with the Ben. All right. <laughs> I just wanted to call you a nerd. Yeah, the uh, no offensive line turnover in Washington was pretty significant. Trent Williams gone, traded away to San Francisco during the draft. And then obviously uh, Eric Flowers, last year's great victory. At left guard. And by great victory, I mean, Jesus wasn't terrible. Comeback player um, of the year, in my opinion. Yeah, he's also been lost in free agency. So, entire new left side of the line. And yeah, with Haskins, what it comes down to is a player who just simply lacks escapability. You know, we, we see a big-bodied quarterback in Carson Wentz be successful escaping the pocket because not only of contact balance, because of strength, because of his size, but also because he has movement skills, he has explosiveness. Haskins doesn't even have the contact balance or, or strength in the pocket that Wentz does to start with, let alone the fact that Haskins just simply is not nearly the athlete that you would want from a quarterback. So he doesn't move around in the pocket too much. They get him on designed move stuff at times, and he can make plays outside of the pocket, but it is not where he's at his strongest. So Scott Turner, Ron Rivera, uh, Ron Rivera, the head coach, brings in Scott Turner, son of Norv Turner, shout out NFL, uh, to be the offensive coordinator here in Washington. Scott Turner was the offensive designer, helpful hand, not actually calling plays quarterbacks coach in Carolina over the last two seasons. Mm -hmm. He now takes over as the offensive coordinator for the first time calling plays. What we saw from the Carolina offense over the last two years since Turner started to get involved was some really cool stuff in terms of backfield motion, in terms of moving pieces around. Of course, the the Panthers offense kind of, you, you couldn't not use their players that way. If you were going to be a smart offensive coordinator, you were going to get Curtis Samuel moving in and out of the backfield, get Christian McCaffrey moving from the backfield and, and into receiving roles, right? Like uh, DJ, DJ Moore, Moore yeah. another guy who right, can move from the slot to the outside and then into the backfield. Uh, so if you remember, the Eagles played the Panthers back in 2018. And one of the things I wrote about was the way that North Turner, Scott Turner's pops, was getting Eric Coriel ideas out in in unfamiliar ways from unfamiliar alignments into familiar right. concepts. Scott Turner was a part of that. And now Scott Turner goes and takes over the offense. So what we can assume with the Washington football team and a player like Antonio Gibson, their third round pick out of Memphis, who anybody who was listening to us during the pre-draft process knows, Gibson was a really fun prospect because he played wide receiver, he played kick returner, he played running back, he was all over the place. They have J.D. McKissick, uh, who's been a, a running back who's bounced around the league a fair bit, but was a wide receiver running back hybrid at Notre Dame uh, when he came out and has been used in a variety of ways accordingly. They have a guy like Steven Sims, who's their kick returner and also their slot receiver, so he's really good with the ball in his hands. We haven't seen what a Scott Turner coordinated offense is going to look like. We haven't seen what it's going to look like in Washington. There is a little bit of guessing that goes on here, but you should look for a ton of pre-snap motion and you should likely look for schemed quick touches for the three players that I mentioned not to step away from Terry McLaurin. I think it's going to be the highest volume receiver on this team, but just to say that they're going to try to manufacture easy stuff for their young quarterback, especially 
as he continues to grow and as the offense continues to settle into the season. So quick, easy, motiony stuff. What this means the Eagles are going to have to be able to communicate very well on the defensive back end in week one. And that's my biggest concern when it comes to this Eagles team. And it's going to be my biggest concern for most teams, most defenses early in the year. It's going to be your communication. It's going to be how you line up against difficult sets. All the stuff that you didn't get enough time to rep during camp is going to be challenged early. So the the, the players that really matter to me are Rodney McLeod, Jalen Mills, Marcus Epps, Kayvon Wallace, uh, who, who we don't exactly know how the snaps are going to be distributed among the starting safeties yet. But those safeties have a huge responsibility in terms of reacting to changes in box numbers, changes in alignment in pre-snap motion, let alone the movement you're going to need from your linebackers, who again, TJ Edwards, Duke Riley, Nate Gary. I mean, we're looking at two new starters, a rather inexperienced group. Gary's going to have to do a lot to get those guys lined up correctly, which the one strength the Eagles defensive coaching staff seems to really believe Nate Gary has is getting people lined up. So that better be important. So defensively, I agree the defense line is going to beat up on the offensive line. Even with Javon Hargrave out, it should be a great game for the pass rush. What's going to be challenging is going to be the communication in the back seven, particularly safeties and linebackers, figuring out your gaps, your alignments, and your checks against a lot of guys who can be receiving threats out of the backfield or can motion into and out of the backfield and be receiving threats from the slot. And I I think with that, it's important that like Mills is a new safety, right? But I think one of the things that I heard coming out of camp was like the communication between Mills and McLeod was pretty solid. They worked together for a long time. So there's been a lot of turnover in the back seven, and I do worry about that. Uh, but it, I don't think it's as bad as as we might think. And, and really, outside of like the potential for the Eagles just busting against some of these concepts, the, the big thing for me is nothing about this Washington offense really scares me. Like, yeah, if they were rolling out with Terry McLaurin against Jalen Mills on the outside or Rasul Douglas, I'd have that fear in the back of my mind a little bit. But now you have Darius Slay, who is on his worst day, I mean, is going to compete in that matchup and have some wins. Steven Sims, a guy you mentioned, uh, really outside of Washington, I'm not sure anybody knows about him, but I think he could be an okay option for him. But I'm not like boot shaking over him. Dontrell Inman is a wide receiver five at best. And because of the lack of available talent, he might be wide receiver two on this team right now because Kelvin Harmon tore his ACL in the summer, unfortunately. Their fourth rounder, Antonio Gandy-Golden, was a guy I never saw it with in the in the pre-draft process. PFF ranked this wide receiver group as 32nd in the league even before the Harmon injury. There's just nothing there. And the tight end group is a mess. It's converted college quarterback Logan Thomas. It's Jeremy Sprinkle, who I was reading some, and he actually surprised some beats by making the team. And it's Marcus Baugh. Like, they are non-factors. They are nobodies. They are Jags. So outside of McLaurin, their biggest threat is Antonio Gibson, who you mentioned. And I think it's going to take them a while to get him involved in the offense where they can optimally leverage his skill set, both as a runner, as a receiver. Where he have 33 career carries at Memphis there, played some wide receiver, like they moved them around. So really, like, does anything other than the potential for the Eagles just back seven, just like hurting themselves with communication issues scare you about this offense? What what worries me about this offense is, okay, we're going to get Gibson on, on swing patterns and we're going to throw late screens to Steven Smith, Sims and, and Terry McLaurin. And we're going to, you know, run a, a quick little speed option with, with JD McKissick, Antonio Gibson and, and you get Peyton Barber involved and all this stuff's right. great. And then it's third and seven. And, and who are you going to throw the ball to? Because right. McLaurin, 
and McLaurin every time, and then McLaurin <laughs> again. And that last year was a problem for the Eagles, right? Let's not forget when the Eagles opened up the season against the Washington football team in 2019. They went down on a multi-score deficit because Anderson Dejo can't tackle Vernon Davis mm-hmm. and because Rasul Douglas can't run with Terry McLaurin, mm-hmm. right? We still, you know, have that potential for the Eagles offense defense giving up big plays. I will not tackling and angles and things like that. I think that would be a concern as well. Yeah. Right. But also it's the Eagles defense. I mean, I'm not going to believe that they're not going (laughs) to give up big passing plays until they don't give up big passing plays. (laughs) I agree with you that there's going to be a ramp up period for Gibson. That's why I I talk about just scheme touches, easy stuff. I think there's going to be a lot of throws behind or at the line of scrimmage. They're going to look to nickel and dime a lot of stuff horizontal spread which is what haskins was really good at at ohio state facilitate everything underneath take your quick windows go on if you can get this team behind the sticks and they have to start pushing the ball down the field they have one good option right now which is mclaurin and they they are expecting a rookie or a young player or logan thomas to blossom into that second downfield receiving threat very very quickly and and the idea that that might happen during the Eagles game is is far-fetched, right? Yeah. So what you're looking at is, a, is an offense that Eagles fans will be familiar with this concept. It's going to take 14 plays for them to get down the field. And Eagles fans know how hard that is to do, how long that takes, and how easy it is to get a grain of sand into the wheel, right? That's why you want explosive plays, which is what the Eagles have prioritized on offense over the last offseason. So I... I Agree with you. I think there is going to be a ramp-up period. I don't think this is going to be a good offense in week one. I think Scott Turner has been associated with an offense the last couple of years that has done some really cool things. Mm-hmm. Let's not forget that Scott Turner is a quarterback's coach who got some good play out of Kyle Allen. Yeah, I like him. Kyle Allen is a bad quarterback. Right. So I think that they're going to do cool things on paper. But just like the Eagles' defense will be ramping up, this offense will be ramping up. And it is lacking for top talent. The official line from DraftKings Sportsbook has the Eagles as five-and-a-half-point road favorites. The over-under is at 43. So let's say that they're calling it a 24-19 game. Does Washington score more than 19 points, and why is your answer no? Hey. <laughs> I was like, no, I don't think they do. And then I was like, I've been beaten. I don't think they do. I think that the quarterback is not trustworthy enough. I, I Even right. if they, like... Let's say they get multiple long drives down inside the 20. Well, then when when the windows start getting serious, and I know Haskins was a pretty solid red zone passer last year, but red zone efficiency can be lucky. It's very small sample size. And Haskins, in terms of ball velocity, in terms of tight window throws, in terms of ability to hang against pressure, I don't love him as a red zone passer. So to me, I, I, I see a team that's got to kick some field goals. I don't see a team that's going to have a lot of possessions either because the Eagles are going to eat clock. And I think their possessions are going to take a long time. So I'm under on them for 19 points. So when we come back here on the Kissed and Solak show, we're going to flip sides of the ball. We're going to talk about some Eagles offense against this Washington football team defense. Also some Jason Peters stuff. That's coming up next here on the Kissed and Solak show. And we are back here on the Kist and Solak show, episode 191, SB Nation, Bleeding Green Nation, bringing it to you, Michael Kist. Here with Benjamin Solak, ready for the season, man. We're switching sides to the Eagles offense against the Washington defense. I think the two key matchups that come to mind, one that I'm extremely confident in, and there's another one that's probably the opposite. The one I love is Deshaun Jackson against, I think it's going to be Fabian Moreau. 
and really just honestly any defensive back on, on Washington because I fully expect the Eagles to move Deshaun around to the slot, motion him, and really try to get him screaming down those seams. And, and this is part of why I'm not too worried that Jalen Rager's banged up right now because this offense is just going to look different with Deshaun in there regardless. Now, how long does that last? I don't know. But this particular game has big game potential for Deshaun. That's an incredibly exciting proposition. It's also a, you know, going to help keep that intermediate area open for the other receivers and the tight ends. And I'm hoping that we get to see some of the other young guys build some confidence in this game while Deshaun and guys like Zach Ertz attract a bunch of attention. So the matchup that I'm concerned about, and it's rare that I'm like, hey, look out for this rookie against a surefire Hall of Famer. But this is like kind of a, a litmus test for Jason Peters' outlook in 2020 going up against second overall pick Chase Young. And a quick right. note on that, I, I, I'm not exactly sure that it's going to be that because Young is technically listed ahead of Ryan Kerrigan on the Washington uh, football team depth chart with Montez Sweat starting on the other side. But those depth charts are typically thrown together by somebody completely outside it's of the, the coaching staff. Yeah. yeah, it's the PR department, right. So I really don't put much stock in that. But either way, I'm keyed in on Peters. I'm keyed in on Young, uh, who is going to be a terror in the East for as long as uh, Washington can hang on to him. And he's got the first year impact potential of a guy like a Nick Bosa. But back to Peters, though, because we have a news update on his contract. So the deal that was initially one year, three mil turns into a one year deal that's worth up to eight mil. Part of that is a $2 million signing bonus. There's $4 million in guarantees. And the other part of it comes in the way of incentives. If I'm understanding this contract correctly, and I'm curious to see what the actual like incentives are, but really this is just an extra mill in guaranteed money. And some people might have a problem with that as if like the Eagles caved, but I don't. Like tackle money is different than guard money. Right guard is different than left tackle in terms of importance. I don't blame Peters for wanting or getting his money. I don't blame the Eagles for giving an extra mil in guaranteed money as part of a gamble because if Peters plays and meets those incentives, then I think it's worth every single penny. If not, you lost a million dollar gamble in guaranteed money. So really, I think like you can be like mad that the Eagles caved, but like there's got to be some sort of right. level to that. And I just I can't get there. Uh, ben, what about you? Peters wasn't going to play well enough to justify six million dollars at left tackle, but not well enough to not justify eight million dollars at left tackle. <laughs> right. If you can identify for me in the league a tackle worth six, but not eight million dollars, I would love to see it. Yeah. Right. And so to what you say, well, then like, you know, does it really matter? Like, why do the Eagles have to do it? I don't know. Jason Peters been with the team for a decade. He's really good. Jeffrey Lurie loves him. Peters has always seemed to be the guy that does the right thing by the team. I don't. I don't have an issue with this. Right. I mean, like when when I think like Eagles Super Bowl like win like the post Eagles Super Bowl win just celebrations. I think most people think like Jason Kelly in the mummer suit. I think of that photo of Jason Peters asleep on the bus holding the Lombardi <laughs> Trophy. It's my favorite right. photo of all time. Um, I like. I, he's 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 a cornerstone. And the Eagles are paying him to, you know, step over to left tackle, which is not what they initially paid him to do. And maybe it's just negotiating in good faith. Maybe it's just, you know, earning those those style points with future contracts or whatever. But Jason Peters has more money now. He's going to play left tackle. Matt Pryor's going to play right guard. Nate Herbig. Jack Driscoll's going to play right tackle. We're all going to die. Um, <laughs> but shout out Jason Peters for being left tackle. No, the Eagles... Um, uh doug peterson during his presser yesterday identified lane johnson as day-to-day -day and would not commit to him playing on sunday which means the eagles offensive line could 
have two backups starting on the right-hand side with likely Matt Pryor at right guard and Jack Driscoll, the rookie out of Auburn in the fifth round rookie, I believe, maybe fourth, fourth, fourth round pick 145. Told you. So likely that'll be Matt Pryor at right guard and then Eagles fourth round rookie Jack Driscoll out of Auburn at right tackle. And people were like, oh, Driscoll looked good in camp. You don't want your your rookie fourth round right tackle starting against Montez Sweat, Ryan Kerrigan and Chase Young. It's just not a good situation to be in. So Eagles offensive line is the question mark. Now, Ron Rivera bringing over the Carolina Panthers defense. Of course, Rivera has a background as a defensive coach and also pulling Twitter's favorite coach, Jack Del Rio, out of retirement. Jack Del Rio (laughs) was last seen on the NFL streets in 2017 as the then-fired head coach of the Oakland Raiders. Uh, He was last seen on the Twitter streets tweeting conspiracy theories. Um, But he is now the defensive coordinator of the Washington football team, uh, replacing Greg Minuski? Yeah, Minuski. Oh, wow. I forgot that they like hadn't fired him yet. I was like, shoot, they, he was still there last year. Um, replacing Greg Minuski. The Washington football team defensive line has always been a bit of a, are they a three-man front? Are they a four-man front? Jonathan Allen playing base end, you know, uh, Matt Ioannidis, you know, rushing from the interior. And, you know, here's Ryan Anderson, stand-up Sam. And so it, it remains to yet to be seen what exactly this transition is going to look like for a 4-3 front, because that's what we're expecting, an even man front out of Rivera and out of Del Rio for the Washington personnel. Suffice to say that even if Jonathan Allen is playing a more traditional three-tech role, still going to probably be a good player, even if that's not a perfect role for him. Uh, Ryan Anderson is the interesting one, because I don't think he's good enough in coverage to be a a full off-ball linebacker. They're probably going to have to put him on ball at some times. And obviously, you can mess around with your alignment. It's not hard to get five or... You know, five guys on the line, extra rusher on the line when you're looking at a, at a traditional four-man front. So they're going to get Anderson down there. But Chase Young's going to be in a position to pass rush. Montez Sweat's going to be in a position to pass rush. Ryan Kerrigan's going to be in a position to pass rush. The strength of this team is their outside edge rushers, and those guys will get an opportunity to tee off under Rivera and, and Del Rio. They've been good with productive big ends over the course of, of their careers. I think this is good news for Montez Sweat, who wasn't necessarily the best guy last year. So that pass rush is going to be good. And the Eagles could be starting Jason Peters, which obviously, you know, whether or not you think he's better than Dillard, Peters is is um not been, you know, a Hall of Fame caliber play now for a year or so. And then potentially Jack Driscoll. So that's your nightmare situation, especially because you know Carson's going to be holding onto the ball forever because he's going to be back to playing with full ride receivers and he's going to want to hit a home run on every single play. Right. Carson, Carson, it's gonna be very important for Carson to be in like, you know, risk management mode if he's got a rookie out there. Right. I'm with you on that. Yeah. Worth noting, Ronald Darby, starting corner. I was just about to bring him up. Look at this headline. Ronald Darby has starred at Washington camp so far and he credits Ron Rivera's system for that. So Ronald Darby, the darling, the media darling fluff story candidate, 2020 king of the Washington camp. How many yards does he give up and how many of them Come on, conceding contested catches to J.J. Ortega-Whiteside because Darby is a oh, lost puppy I would the love ball it. I would be so happy. Okay, <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Okay. Ron Rivera's system. What's his system? Screaming play fast, at least from the first line of this article. That I love really it. <laughs> it's a lot of different things. I'm used to just being man-to-man 95, 98% of the time. It's a man defense, but there's a lot of things you don't have to worry about. You can play aggressive to certain things. 
you can have your eyes back on the quarterback for certain things. What do you what do you mean when he says you don't have to worry about certain things? Is he talking about like inverted cover two because he literally busted every yeah. time they tried to run that? Like you don't have to worry about certain things and you don't have to worry about multiple route concepts because you're not in zone. I mean, I get right. it, but still. Right, I mean, so if Darby's in man, cool. One of the, the things that I wanted to bring up from a scheme perspective to to levy to you is the fact that Rivera plays a a off man off zone kind of route jumping sort of you know leaving his corners out there single high sort of an approach there it's got similar weaknesses to what we've seen be weak for Jim Schwartz over the last several yeah. years in terms of like you know double moves and, and 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 release moves on the outside deep concepts and so with the Eagles increased speed as well as outside corners and Ronald Darby and we're looking at maybe Kendall Fuller, maybe Fabian Moreau, depending on how it it gets deployed. You're going to want your deep outside shots, which is why the health of Rager, who's still considered day to day with the shoulder is important. Obviously Deshaun Jackson is expected to play uh, and the the Eagles ripped up the Washington secondary with Jackson last year, but you do also want to have that complimentary deep threat so you can't just skew the safeties all the way over to Deshaun and then, you know, be playing the J.J. Ortega wide-side back shoulder game for the rest of the game. So Rager's health is a big deal um, because you're going to want to be able to hit those explosive players. You're going to want to be able to threaten those deep areas with multiple players. Um, but so, so my player to watch beyond Deshaun is Rager's health because I think Rager's health would be extremely beneficial for the offense as a whole and also he has an opportunity for a big game in his first season if he's available they could throw the back shoulder fade 14 times to jj ortega white side if he gets ronald darby and i'm pretty say, confident yeah, ronald darby ball skills there brother he would catch 15 of them so <laughs> let's go back to the DraftKings sportsbook official line again eagles five and a half point road favorites over under currently set at 43 as of this recording which means that vegas is predicting the score again to be about 24 to 19 over under on 24 points for the Eagles offense. What and obviously what's your final score since you already said under for uh, for Washington on their offensive output? I think Lane is worth a point or two. You I agree. I mean, yeah, like I, 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 that's that's a big thing to say, but it's also a thing that I'm saying. And he was limited in the last practice that I saw, if I'm not mistaken. So he's he's battling with it. I'm I'm pretty sure he's going to play. Um, we'll, we'll see how healthy he is when he does. I think it's over. I think the Eagles win this by at least a score, if not multiple. I do think the Eagles offense opens up. You know what I mean? Like maybe I'm remembering that week one game a little bit too much, but man, <laughs> you know, how can you forget? Right? Exactly. Deshaun had two deep touchdowns and I would like to see it happen again. Um, no lane and no Rager would take the win out of the sales here for sure. Uh, you get those guys. I think both are going to be pretty big parts of the offense this year. Lane, obviously, and then Rager is a, is a projection, but I think those guys matter. So I, I'll take the over. My final score prediction would be like a 27-17, 27-13 sort of a game uh, where I, I think the Eagles are able to get a lead and control a lead. We did not mention his name once, uh, but Miles Sanders is an exciting player to yeah. think about here. And again, don't know if he's going to be perfectly healthy for this game either. Um, just, you know, beat me over the head with a stick. The Eagles are already dealing with offensive line or with offensive injuries. Shocking. Sanders is expected to play. I wonder if he's a full workload, but this Eagles team is going to have an opportunity to sit on a lead. And I think that they're going to want to show that they can really run the football well. It's going to be important to them with this new offensive line, with Matt Pryor, who's a really good run blocker, that they run that ball well in the interior. If Sanders is healthy, I think that you're going to see a big Sanders game. Because I think that the Eagles are going to make a point 
of proving that he's healthy and proving that they can run the ball behind Pryor. Not like to anyone, not like in an establishment way, but like in a to ourselves sort of a way, because this is an important part of our game. Well, you know, the the Eagles like to, on certain series, they'll just bust out and uh, like it happens a lot in the third quarter, at least over the past couple of years, they'll come out in a whole drive and they'll go six offensive linemen. They'll go double tight end, YY wing and, you know, really run the run concepts and get their offensive line into a rhythm. And I expect one or two drives like that in this game. So I'm with you as far as that regard goes. There's a lot of way, like again, like Sanders is explosive. We didn't talk about get Goddard and and, and Zach Ertz, no Reuben Foster, and a tight end room of Landon Collins and freaking DeShazer Everett. Who's their other starter? Troy, no, Troy right. Apke. Troy Apke. Who yeah, like, yeah, if you get Troy Apke over a, a tight end, let's throw the ball to that tight end. Zach Ertz might be able to break a tackle this week. I feel good about Troy Apke not being able to bring him down, at least on one of 17 attempts. Well, <laughs> I, I, re- I will not make a comment because Zach Ertz blocked me, probably because I was saying too much about his tackle breaking ability. Um, <laughs> Eagles 27-13, final score. I'm going to go 31 to 10. I mean, this this is the Eagles wow. offense that put up 32 points in uh in in week 1 against them and then 37 points in week 15 dealing with absolute nobodies on the offense other than the tight ends and and Carson Wentz and whatnot. So, I'm going to go I'm going to go with 31 points. And really what I want to see and I don't care what the what the final score is. I think they're going to win by multiple scores. So, I I do want to see that. I want to see this offense come out hot. And just start hot. I want this offense to come out hot because I don't want to deal with Twitter if they don't. Ten, if they're up ten nothing at half, the Eagles, the fan base is going to be melting down on Twitter. They're going to be losing their minds. Like why, why, why is Washington still in this game? Right. That's something I don't want to see. Ben, any last thoughts uh, on this game or about life or your dog before we get out of here? More sacks taken, Carson Wentz or Zach or uh, Dwayne Haskins. Dwayne Haskins. I think I think the Eagles, like I said, right right at the top. That's the big advantage for the Eagles. They should be able to eat them up. And Dwayne Haskins just takes so many doggone sacks. Like I do think you're right when you say that Wentz might hold on to a little bit more, uh, looking for the home run shot. I don't think it's any uh, anything on the level of a uh, 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 Dwayne Haskins. Okay, I also think Dwayne Haskins. Okay, the way you said that, I thought you were actually going to have a take. Well, no, but... the thing is, that I also think Dwayne Haskins, but I'm not going to be nearly as emphatic about that as you are. All right, so I'm worried it's we a get take. that like you know Chase Young future Hall of Famer opening performance when he just like murders the Eagles for two and a half sacks. God willing, it doesn't happen. But thank you as ben. always for listening. Yeah, to Kiss and so shut show. up, shut up, shut up. No, I was going to tell you to say goodbye to the gentle listeners. You started doing it without like we got to get here into transitioning. A here. I'm and a new go. man. It's a new season. <laughs> thank you as always for listening to the Kiss and So I show here on BGN Radio. We do appreciate you swinging by. This was episode 191, the first week one, first 2020, because first week one doesn't make any sense. First 2020 preview of an Eagles game from the Kiston Solak show. Looking at the Washington football team, largely retooled, largely refreshed, and generally unknown, but probably bad because they're Washington. The Eagles face them at one o'clock on Sunday. Of course, if you're listening to this on Thursday afternoon when it comes out, you can catch the first NFL game. Houston, Kansas City tonight on Thursday Night Football. Mike and I will be on the immediate recap beat for the season here on BGN Radio. So in the wake of any Eagles game, you can expect our initial reactions, recap, and review podcast 
in your feeds immediately following the expiration of the fourth quarter. If you enjoy the feed, if you enjoy all of the shows, please rate, review, and subscribe not only to BGN Radio, but to the SB Nation main podcast feed, of which Mike is a proprietor, on whatever app you listen to your podcasts. He's been Michael Kist on Twitter, at Michael Kist NFL, that's K-I-S-T. I've been Benjamin Solak on Twitter, at Benjamin Solak, that's S-O-L-A-K. Go Birds. We all we got. We all we need. Let's go Fly, Eagles, fly. (laughs) Jesus. Yeah.